Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello to all of you amazing pod people out there. I'm your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another edition of This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Each and every week, if you're wondering... I try and bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And that could really mean chatting to a musician, digging into the minds of festival founders, choreographers, comedians, actors, really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. But before we dig into this week's fantastic interview, let's check in with our constant companion Adam. Hello. <laughs> Whoa, what was the robot voice? Um, just some uh, spice for your Wednesday. Just spice up your life, you know. Yeah, just every a little boy bit and spice. every girl. When two become one, you know. <laughs> How's it going? I'm doing really well. Uh, this week we got again some of my reporting from Mad Cool in Madrid from a couple of weeks ago, where we're rounding out that with another handful of excellent interviews. That's right. After speaking with Prophets of Rage, Neo, and Tourist in our first week of coverage from Mad Cool a few weeks ago, engineer and co-hosty Adam returns yeah. yet again with four more wonderful interviews from that festival four more can you believe uh, it uh, <laughs> but before we I'm get excited. to those four interviews we've got to tell everyone as always please head to well first yes. if you like us then yes, then Head to, <laughs> to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review us. Subscribe. It makes a big difference for everyone. Helps get a better show to you every time. We like to give a shout out to someone who gives us a five-star review. So this time we have one from Catherine Coulson. 
who had this wonderful note. Podcasts like this don't come around every day, maybe once in a lifetime, playing Whoa. off of our Talking Heads pun there. So thanks for those words, Catherine. That's that's very kind of you. Yeah, thank you, Catherine. Thank you for loving and listening, and thank you for leaving a note, because each and every week we basically tell you why it's so important. But let's return the attention to this week's incredible chat. I will let you take take it away. Let thank us you. know what what the hell you got up to. So, as I mentioned earlier, we've got four. We we did three last half of the mm-hmm. festival coverage for Mad Cool. This time we've got four. We're outdoing ourselves. So, uh, let's see. First, foremost, I sat down with Luke Steele from Empire of the Sun, the legendary Australian outfit. We got to chat about how he went to see Midnight Oil as a youth, his visa struggles in America, accidentally smashing a dream guitar. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was really so a really dramatic but laid-back chat. It was mm. fantastic. After that, we've got a conversation with Let's Eat Grandma, the British duo. Uh, we were them. in the very loud backstage space of? just outside of uh, Lauren Hill's dressing room, Yep, which felt extra <laughs> magical. Which Lauren Hill was obviously in the dressing room listening to the chat. Of course, yes. She was a captive audience. Yes, clapping and leaving <laughs> reviews and subscribing to the podcast. But we like we got to chat about uh, playing big shows when they were just young teenagers and their first gigs and, and more in that vein. And I think next you spoke with Juan Malatore of Madrid hometown heroes Vetusta Mola. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And I know that you guys chat about being influenced by Nirvana, their upcoming American tour. Can't wait. And playing all the favorites for their fans. And then you spoke to Jordan, the vocalist of the hardcore outfit La Dispute. And you had an amazing connection there about your shared Midwestern roots. And you spoke about finding community in the punk scene and so much more. It's great to chat to another Midwesterner out in the middle of Spain. Of course, that's what you do. Like and alike, of course. But in the words of the immortal Lior Phillips. Immortal? Yeah, you're immortal. I don't know about the cut I got this morning. (laughs) Paper cut, it's still going. Let us not be delayed, as she says. This is me and Luke Steele, followed by me and Let's Eat Grandma, followed by me and Wanma, and finally me and Jordan. Enjoy! Enjoy. Here we are, mad cool, rock and roll backstage. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. I really no appreciate worries. you taking the time, especially because we are minutes away from you going on stage. How does that feel in this moment for you on a festival day when you've, you know, probably just arrived not too long ago? What's the emotion? Or have you just done Actually, so many? Actually, you know, just... I feel really good and refreshed because we had a day off yesterday. Nice. And we've just done 25 dates in US, a bunch of dates in Europe. So that was quite amazing to just be able to sleep in and just walk around Madrid so I feel really refreshed like yeah we are going on at 3am so that's going to throw <laughs> things out of whack but no it's it's great and this is the last show of our tour so. yeah I was just about to ask it's the yeah. anniversary the 10 year anniversary yeah. of the album it's their last show of the tour are you at the point where you're like I've hit a breaking point I'm ready to be done or are you just like ah, I can power through this is going to be the best show of the tour somewhere in the middle yeah no I feel good hey? I feel it's funny, as the tour goes, you enhance things, you enhance the lighting, the sound, like we, we always film the shows and just kind of 
watch them back and sort of dial things in. So I think this will be the best one of the tour. You know. Is there any letdown then at the end of a tour when you know, oh, I've spent like six months getting it exactly right and now it's just like oh, washed totally. away? I think every musician feels that, but also the come down. Yeah. You've, you've, you've been just, you know, it's such a privilege to be on the road, really. You, it's like a, a, a holiday a holiday where you're the centre of attention (laughs) and you get up the road and it's like back to reality so was there a band or like what was the first concert you saw what really made you realise like I should be on the stage there I need to be the centre of attention there well I had my father's a musician and and he's he's um, run a blues club in Perth where I grew up so I pretty much grew up in you know, a blues club yeah. every Tuesday. Um, I'd be seeing, you know, acts from all over the world coming through town that he would sort of, you know, bring to the club. So um, they were my first concerts, but the first out of that was Midnight Oil, which was an Australian band. Not familiar, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. Oh. oh, no, I am. I lie. Midnight Oil. Yeah, beds okay. are burning and forgotten years I, my, my Australian accent isn't dialed in quite yet yeah. so I didn't get the oil part but I got midnight there. oil yes yeah, there <laughs> so, you go. sorry about that uh, what about the first time you performed do you remember when when that was yeah jeez that's taken me back but, uh, <laughs> yeah the first um, first time I performed we had a band funnily enough called Blue Steel <laughs> that's the name yeah. yeah, and it was a blues band. We'd do like Hendrix and JJ Kale and nice. Um, and it's just so nerve wracking, you know. The first time you play, it's really, like, yeah. everything sounds so empty on stage, and it's just yeah. How long did it take you to get over that? Because at this point, you guys have built up such a refined and grand stage presence. Obviously, that doesn't just come overnight, but yeah. how long was that process of refining? Years, you know. Yeah. It really is years. It's um, What's so fascinating about the live arena is it's just so unpredictable. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, people sit in the studio making records, but you can't possibly call yourself a real musician until you step <laughs> <laughs> into the valleys of the live world, because... It's just so bizarre how many different spirits and gremlins, you know, live yeah. in the music business. It's, you know, you can check your guitar pedals, you know, 3,000 times <laughs> and rechange every tube in your amp, you know, have power experts, but it's only when you step on the stage that it won't work. Yeah, of on, course. Only on certain nights. yeah. And um, it just takes years of of going through that to understand how to deal with that and how to deal with the crowd and and I you know I was lucky because you know I got taught by my father he would sort of sure. say well you, you have to always have a backup plan you know yeah. and work out what happens when this happens and this and that but it's a great journey. Do you ever do you remember any particular moments where you had one of those valleys while you were on tour? Any like this show is just going to hell, it's never gonna be turned around. 
Yeah, we had that just the other day, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> In San Francisco, came out, everything is working sweet. You know, a couple thousand seater. I hit the first note and then I just heard my whole guitar amp situation just, doof, the thing just oh. dived down and it's quite complex, my setup. And, yeah. You know, every, everything's still kind of roll and I'm still singing in it. Yeah, we had to kind of just shut down the, <laughs> the whole show after three or four songs and just go, I'm sorry, but we're, we're just going to have to spend like, I don't know, it felt like about 10 minutes. I'm, yeah, just kind of, it probably was much less than that, but I yeah, can understand the feeling. Yeah, reworking that and then sort of working out a way to just talk to the crowd. That's got to be out. like the blessing and the curse of live music because you, you for you know, better and worse, you can never experience that same exact moment again. Do you, ever, do, you, do you feel that energy when you're on stage or is it more just getting through the moment and knowing what I need to do at each period in time? Yeah, it's just knowing, and you've been through it before, so knowing how to get to the next step. But, you know, I really struggle with that because I'm such an extremist. And, you know, up to about two months ago, I'd just smash everything. <laughs> <laughs> it, became, it becomes a real problem because it's like, dude, you just smashed your guitar. You broke your amp. What are you going to play now? And But you don't, Yeah. you know, I, I don't think about that at the time. So. I never thought about this until just this moment, but if you are in the middle of a tour, in the middle of a country you're not as familiar with, if you have to buy replacement gear, how does that, do you just like Google music store and go from there? Like what's the process like? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're just so reckless and yeah. you're bloody drunk half the time. It's, you just, <laughs> it's, you just smash it and leave it for the crew to work out and then... I think when you get older, you know, that you're playing, you know, 1974 Stratocasters, which are four, five, six grand Not guitars. Not easy to replace. I did have one show in Sao Paulo where it, uh, up till recently, every show, it became this thing that I'd smash a guitar. It was sort of part of the show and it was probably a bit of anger management for me <laughs> as well. But we'd just flown from Australia, so it was something stupid like 35-hour flight, you know, stopping in New Zealand and of Chile. And I said, bring out the guitar. And I just bought this new, you know, strap from the 80s. It was like this $3,000 guitar. And he brought out the wrong guitar. And I was mid, you know, mid-song. You were I in the vibe, yeah. Yeah, I grabbed the guitar and smashed it. And then I looked down and I just see that it's, you know, white, like the cheaper ones that we'd smash. And I just smashed this, like, $3,000. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite guitar to play live? Just are you generally a Stratocaster guy? This I just bought this 1974 Stratocaster in from in Seattle from mm -hmm. Emerald City Guitars, and I just I'm just in love with the sound of this guitar. Yeah. Like it just I think I think I'm gonna have to call the store and see who owned it before. Oh, you yeah. know, maybe it was someone with just a lot of style because it carries that magic with yeah, it yeah like an old I don't know like Albert Collins or like <laughs> Jimmy Vaughan or something yeah yeah it yeah it just has such a beautiful tone do you have a place that you have not been able to tour yet I mean you guys have been all over the world at this point but is there any place you'd like to go that you haven't been able to oh well 
um, I have some good friends that live in Iceland and you know they show me their place and they show me pictures but it's it's one of those places that's everyone always seems to talk to me yeah. about and yeah it's like that thing when you haven't seen the movie it's like have you seen it and you say <laughs> right. no and they go oh, oh it's amazing great let yeah. me talk about it for the next maybe 10 10 hours so it's sort of like that with Iceland it's you haven't it's, been yeah, it's totally worth it as someone that's went I won't talk your ear off like those people oh, but you, it is it yeah, is amazing right. Iceland Airways go is on tell me about how good it is for the next two hours just the hot springs you gotta do yeah. it yeah that and you know it's um my lover like Sigaros and Yonzi and stuff yeah, like it'd absolutely. be great to go and just be in that place where they're sort of from you know and making yeah. music how much time do you generally spend when you're on a long tour during the day away from the festival, away from the, the uh, place where you're going to play. Do you go out in the city much, or are you more of a person that needs to recharge where you're going to be? I, I, I go out a little bit, but I'm generally pretty boring on tour. <laughs> There's certain factors, you know, with your voice. Like, if you go out and it's too dusty or whatever, and then sure. you, um, and you get too exhausted, and yeah... I'm generally kind of like the sanctuary of the hotel, you know, with just room service and just playing records and have the guitar and you just just throw everything everywhere and just set up like your own apartment kind of thing for a few days. It's, yeah. Yeah. When you get back to Australia, are you going to start even thinking about what comes next for a while or are you just going to shut down a bit? You know, I live in Los Angeles, but... Oh, I didn't know that. Funnily enough, um, Trump administration basically was, has been really strict on visas, and at, at the moment I've been kicked out of the country. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, they basically said to Capitol Records, you can't renew certain artist visas. So, so it's basically I've had to reapply as just a, you know, usually I'd have Capitol Records kind of renewing my visa and... Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'm um, I can't go back, so I'm flying to New Zealand to my place in New Zealand, and we're going to have a vacation for a month. And and that must make this end of the tour extra emotional. It hit extra hard in that way. It actually worked out good because my place in New Zealand is super dope, and I only ever go there at Christmas. Yeah, I've wanted to go there in the winter time for ten years since I bought it. So. I'm actually really excited. I have a 1964 Gibson 12-string sitting there. That's good to spend some time with on vacation, yeah. yeah. She's a bit lonely, so... <laughs> just And just write some songs, you know, I've had all these melodies and songs building up. and yeah. Amazing. Some pumped. Yeah, great. I've got uh, just about a minute left, so I'm going to ask you one last question. Do you have any uh, sort of bucket list performance you'd like to see? Is there anybody you haven't been able to see yet? Oh, God. You know, I really want to see the Chemical Brothers. Oh, I've never seen the Chemical just Brothers. Just missed them last night. I know. I, yeah, I wanted to come out. It's 3 a.m. But if, if you've got a day off, that's, the, that's, that's yeah. not the move. But the moment, I'm, I'm like really loving the sexiness of Lana Del Rey. Mm. And I'm really digging Sufjan Stevens yeah. as well. But... um. So we'll put together an Empire of the Sun festival, get them both booked out there in New Zealand, and then we'll yeah, be good. Yeah, I think that's perfect. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> Done. <laughs>
Thank you so much for coming and talking to me over here on this couch right outside of Lauren Hill's dressing room. Ah, uh, no worries. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's some extra magic coming in out of there. <laughs> Seeping out. Every yeah. once in a while, some some uh, extra noise, but we'll we'll uh, go with it. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I always want to know what was the first concert you ever saw? What was it that drew you to wanting to be a performer? Um, the first concert that I ever went to was a Marina and the Diamonds concert in Norwich where I'm from. I was 10 years old and I was a massive fan and so was my dad and uh, we didn't manage to get tickets but he rang up the venue to see if there'd been any return tickets just like half an hour before the gig oh, and they had and I went in my pajamas <laughs> speaking of magic there's some extra like just showing up at the last second that's very lucky yeah so what was it about that night was it did you immediately see that and be like I can do this I want to be like that or was it just more amazed I mean I was 10 I, I don't think that I thought that it wasn't it wasn't the ego there no not quite but I yeah I love her and it's great really enjoyed that did you have a first concert experience or was it more honestly like when I was younger my parents never really went to gigs or like my family never really did that like they're into music but like not massively and so like the first gigs kind of went to was when we got into songwriting and we'd go to gigs that we were playing at and we'd go and see other bands and or like when we played Latitude when we were like 15 or something. Yeah. That was probably like some of the early gig experience I've had. But honestly, like I never really went to gigs before we started songwriting. How old were you when you first started performing? Because I know it must have been incredibly um, young. We were 14. Yeah. Did you have any trouble with showing up at, at venues and people not understanding what was going on? Oh, yeah, yeah we certainly did. Like We had quite a lot of beef with the different people at venues. <laughs> yeah. People not taking us seriously. We're obviously very threatening, aren't we? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I do a lot of fights. Yeah. <laughs> How did that go over with uh, sort of feeling confident on stage when I'm guessing a lot of your crowd was older than you were? What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, what was really great about that was we'd arrive at a venue and people would be like, oh, what are these two young girls doing here? What do they think they're going to do? And then we'd play the show and then afterwards they'd be like, oh, wow, I was actually <laughs> really impressed. And like, yeah. I mean, I think we've done a mix of shows like that and actually terrible ones back in the yeah. day. Oh, it's character we... building, Yeah. I'd say. But yeah, I used to have really bad stage fright, actually really bad. I used to like be like, oh, Rose, I don't want to go on. I can't go on. Then I ended up going on. Did you build any rituals that like helped you feel ready? Not really, to be honest. I think I was just kind of very like, oh, I don't think I can do it. Rose being like, come on, we've got to go on stage. <laughs> My mum and dad are here. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that gig where you got locked in the toilet just oh, before yeah. you went on stage? Yeah, and the toilet was like, at the other side of the venue, it was like this little cafe to the stage, and I was like, "Ready you to were go on stage. stage?" I might have even been on stage because I like started the set, and then Jenny came and walked then, on with her saxophone. And then the promoter woman, I wouldn't. I mean, she was just running the event. It feels weird using promoter in this context. But she was like, "Just pull on the handle," and I was like, "I do know how to open a door." <laughs> yeah. I think it took about ten minutes to get Jenny out of the toilet. Yeah. Everyone cheered though, that was like the biggest yeah, surprise we'd ever got. Yeah. 
there has to be that dichotomy of like when people are surprised by how talented you are because of your age, what have you, it must at one point be like, damn right, I proved them wrong, but also like, how dare you have questioned me in the first place? It was very frustrating. I think it's hard as well because you do, you might get a bit of extra people being like, wow, I'm really impressed, which is kind of bad because you don't want people to think that as a result of it being a novelty, you know, which we're not, you know. But at the same time, you're so much quicker to be dragged down if you do do a bad show. Okay. Like, if you do a bad show and you're kind of like what people would expect a band to look like. This is particularly thinking about when we were a bit younger, because now we're a bit older now. But, um, yeah, you can kind of get away with it more. People will be like, oh, okay, just off show. But if you're, people have the, all these ideas that you're going to be bad. So if you actually do play a bad show, people like that just confirm that you are rubbish, just like we thought. <laughs> and it really brings your confidence down. Like, you're not allowed to have a chance to have a bit of a rough show but learn from it without being ridiculed. Yeah. Like, but we did, like, so many rough shows when we started out. And I that's, that's what, of being that's a what band. you have to do. Absolutely, like, yeah. you don't just go on... Like, I mean, it's better that we played to small crowds and we could build up and like. I mean, occasionally get we even have rough, rough shows now. Yeah. Most of the time we're a lot better, but occasionally there's one. And, <laughs> you know, you just have it to is. learn from it, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad band. You know. Do you have a favorite venue or place that you've played since you've started playing? Oh, good question. Um, favorite venue? Yeah. I guess like probably, I think like. I guess a few Norwich ones because we played them multiple times. Yeah, like the Arts Centre in the Norwich. The Arts Centre. Brilliant. It's just like a church and it's a, been converted. There's three churches along this small road um, and this one's been converted to a venue and it's just amazing. Like, there's a beer garden bit and all your friends hang out there. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about when you go out on tour, obviously throughout Europe, throughout America, do you feel different energies in different crowds, or is it just more or less For the sure. same type of person? No, there's different. There's yeah, different. Crowd there's energy. different. Like we went to Porto, didn't we? Oh, that was one of the, the best crowds that ever. That was mad. Like, beautiful place. We'd never so ever played good. in Portugal before either, and it was just the most enthusiastic crowd. I mean, the it's most like enthusiastic as well. crowd we've ever had was the Glastonbury one we just did. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. Glastonbury. Then, I mean, we were we were punters as well at the same time. <laughs> yeah. We, we camped, so we're like. We were in that Lizzo crowd. We know what it's like. Yeah. But everybody's <laughs> just like... Everyone's uh, like suffering so much in the tents and the heat. They're just like, I just really need a good time. <laughs> I just really need a good time. But um, We talked a bit about the heat before going on mic, but how do you handle different temperatures? I mean, that's a very dumb question, but like, it's so much intensity to be on a stage, period, and then to have to factor in weather and sun and all that kind of thing does that even yeah. get in your head or are you just so pumped up to be on I stage i mean usually we pick our stage clothes before we look at the weather forecast <laughs> <laughs> and so we end up in completely the wrong thing yeah like today i'm wearing long black jumpsuit <laughs> i had a show we had a show actually where i was absolutely freezing for it but then the adrenaline picked up yeah, as well that's the warm. thing like when you get on stage you're boiling the adrenaline kicks in too much that you don't feel paid so like i've fallen over on stage before and it hasn't hurt and i've come off and i've been like oh that's no i need <laughs> bleeding a little bit yeah and to be honest, they're never that bad though. Like some people break their legs, break their injuries. What? Yeah. Break their legs on stage, and they're like, "Yeah, just gonna continue this." Yeah, show. the show must go on. Um, 
that's our mantra. Yeah. For the oh, yeah, you asked about oh, that. Yeah. 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 That's what, that's what we, we do before we go. the show must go on. <laughs> in, like, really sad voices. <laughs> yeah. One of my favourite questions is whether... So some artists, after they've played a song, like, three dozen times on tour, they're like, I'm done with that, I want to play the new stuff. But you still have to have that pull where it's the crowd's favourite, that's what they want to hear. How do you balance that? Is that something that you have to think about when you're putting together set lists, or is it more...? For sure, I mean, I think it's just getting the combination. Like, for example, our track Donnie Darko, we played for about two years before it was released on the record. and. That was good because like nobody knew what the name was. They just knew it was the really long song at the end. Um, I've never got sick of that song though. Not yeah. Once. There isn't a, so- a time where I. There's like, some songs I'm like, oh, <laughs> like yeah. maybe not today. Yeah. I like this song, <laughs> but you know. But like that song, I never get bored of. But also like I think that you get sick of songs in rehearsals. In rehearsals, you're yeah, just like I've had true. enough. But on stage, you don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any? Um, favorite activities or things you like to do while on the, uh, the bus going around? Well, how do you keep yourself entertained or diverted from just oh, getting totally bored? I mean, bored? today on the flight, we were looking back on Denny's hard drive at pictures of us when we were like 10. <laughs> it was really funny. We don't do this regularly. Yeah, that, that's not like that's a, not a, a normal yeah. vibe. It was just really funny. Like I I'd backed up my hard drive and just put all my old stuff off my old computer on it. Absolutely ridiculous looking at some of the old photos. Yeah, like looking exactly the same. It, honestly, we don't really have a routine for it. It usually goes to sleep, so I have to entertain myself. It's a bit boring, but you know. Um, I usually just stare into space. <laughs> Lee's usually, that's our um, front of house, he's usually uh, watching some film off his phone. Um, eating a cheese pastry. <laughs> yeah, eating a cheese pastry. Uh, we're a bit boring, we, well, we? We've been working on a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody with uh, Faye, our drummer. It's a live version, though. Only yeah. It's a cappella. Just yeah. no, no van bootlegs are out there yet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, what about um, keeping yourself entertained when you're outside? Like, during a day like today, when you have your set on at a certain time, uh, you go on at, like, 9? Yeah. How do you spend the rest of your day? Are you able I to mean, do anything besides just interviews? Quite entertaining. Yeah, well, pretty thank good you. to pass the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we've had we've both had a Coca Cola each. Everyone, all of our groups had a Coca Cola, so we're all doing all right. I don't know, like that keeps us going. Honestly, we don't really have yeah, that much we time. Haven't, we haven't had any time. Like we got the flight this morning, but literally we just went to the hotel, had some food, came here, gonna set up, do yeah. interviews, go on. Have you yeah. ever hit a breaking point like midway through a stuff? Uh, tour and been like I can't do this anymore but then still had to keep going like does that happen I think I think everyone has that for about 10 minutes at a time yeah. like never like I'm fully leaving but I can't yeah. like everyone can be a bit everyone has a mid tour breakdown like if you don't then you're superhuman and <laughs> you're not real like I've it's not seen possible. everybody anybody you've toured with they've cried yeah Everybody's like you have cried. to cry <laughs> and they'd be like really you know it's funny though like if I'm crying in the middle of the tour or something I'll be like I c- I'm just so tired Rosa. <laughs> but I know it's just because I need to go to bed like <laughs> I've got one last question, then I'll let you guys go. But do you have like a bucket list performer, somebody that you would love to see live that you haven't been able to yet? Frank Ocean. Uh, Frank Ocean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 we thought about that, we've a, lot. Thought about that a lot. Um, there's a few people actually. Who else do I want to see? Oh, sorry, I'm gonna need a second to think about this. I mean, um, what about if they're dead? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's Jeff still... Buckley is who yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to see, but never. Also, who else? 
Oh, I do have Rihanna. To I'd love to see Rihanna. Rihanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I don't know, really. There are certain people, like, if they're playing, I'd definitely go. Like, everything's dropped. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before. Like, we were sitting in the dressing room the other day, and I was like, Jenny, would you run a mile through mud to see Frank Kirsch at the other side of the festival <laughs> start right now if he was playing? And I said, yes. The answer was yes. Yeah, that's not right But he wasn't playing, so. Yeah, you pretty much do that just to see, like, someone you're not that bothered about a glass of anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about to go on stage in an hour or so. No, that's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate much. it. Uh, what do you generally tend to do if you're at a big festival like this and you're, you know, ramping up to go on stage? How do you spend that time? Well, I try mainly not to think too much <laughs> in, in, in the first place because um, this environment really has a, a lot of distractions. Sure. Um, so you try just to focus on what you're going to do in the, in the motion, in the performance, and not to get distracted with, with, with so many things. Sometimes you have like the, you, you, you want to, to see so many bands, and you want to see so many people, mainly yeah. here in Madrid, where is our hometown. Right. So, so you have family, you have friends, and sometimes it's a bit difficult. For example, my, uh, my parents were, are here, oh, amazing. and they couldn't find the, the entrance, and I was like very nervous. That, Go to this place. <laughs> so mainly stay, stay focused and, and calm and be relaxed. Have they come to see you a lot over the years? Yeah, from the first, from the very beginning. Uh, so uh, my father, in particular, is very important in the, in the history of the band because he was the the man carrying the amps and the drums in, in his That's car. That's very important. We, yeah, <laughs> when we weren't able to drive. Uh, what about your first performance? Was it? Did you have a band before Vitisimola, or is this the first band you started? Yeah, I had a couple of, of, of bands before. And in fact, the the, the drummer and I, uh, the drummer from Vitisimola, David and I met in one of these bands. Oh, amazing! Um, the first the first gig was in uh, in a local pub in in our hometown. It's a, a small town near Madrid, in the north of Madrid. Um, and it was really was horrible. <laughs> it was very bad. <laughs> Is it the kind of horrible that you think it was horrible and everybody else enjoyed it, or was it just? No, it was. <laughs> it was empirically <laughs> horrible because we had a video <laughs> recorded, oh, no. and I I can stand to watch the, that video. No, but it was at the same time it was some, something that when we finished the, the the performance we we said, okay, it's been horrible. We played very badly yeah but we want to do this that's amazing the, the, this you got the bad awesome. one out of the way and then it's yeah. all been good since then i'm sure yeah, right no bad it. shows since then i <laughs> know a couple of them but <laughs> it's been improving <laughs> so we are on the good way what was the first band that ever made you feel like you really wanted to be on stage and performing uh, nirvana we had we had a, a, a I, as you see I even think it about for a second yeah no there it's, was no it's pause crazy. they they came to Spain to Madrid in 1993 to, mm -hmm. to a show I was uh, then I was uh, 14 years old amazing um, right exactly uh, the right moment yeah exactly the right moment yeah so when after the show with with uh, I was with my brother mm -hmm. and a friend and the three of us came out of the show and said it would be incredible amazing we want to be there one day and we started our first band this yeah. band that 
a couple of years after playing so badly. In the, in, well, we are a little too far from Nirvana, but we'll, we'll still try to... You still got that energy. I mean, I've, I've just been walking around the festival grounds today, and it seems yeah. like there's so many people just like super excited that you're here, which oh, is such a great, great thing to see, that's especially great. for like a hometown gig as, yeah. as it is. Uh, do you get that same energy every time you perform here? Is it is it just like people love you in your hometown? Yeah, Madrid is very uh, a very special place for us to play. Um, we really feel uh, um, very high energy when we play here. There's some other uh, cities in Spain that they are not our hometown, but we feel the same energy. But here, Madrid is it's very 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 special. Do you have a favorite place you've played outside of Spain that's like, are you really connected with the people there? Well, we have uh, Colombia, mm -hmm. for example, is a, a place where we really connect with the people. And it's very strange because they they are rockers right. in, 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 in Colombia. Not they are more into yeah. Latin and uh, reggaeton, Latin, sure. urban. And, and well, the Medellin is one of one of the cities we visited there. It's the hometown of reggaeton. Is the, the, Right now is the the musical center of the world. <laughs> right now, yeah. So it's very strange to come with a very rock and roller thing and and to receive such energy sure. from from a place like that, no. And then we have Argentina with well, they have there a very similar way to to express themselves and to feel the music that we have in, here in Spain. So it's very easy to connect with Argentinian uh, audience. Amazing. Do you get to spend much time outside of the venue when you're going on tour? Do you have any favorite hobbies or things you like to do when you're out on the road? Yeah, we like to eat as well as we can. It does not surprise me <laughs> yeah. coming from someone from Spain. That's, yeah, when yeah, I'm here, that's we, all I do, yes, so I get it. Yes, uh, we, we, uh, we always try to look for the, the, the food of every place, what, what's typical to, to a good restaurant. And uh, the, the bass player and I have like, um, like a ritual we go to uh, some contemporary art museum oh, in every city yeah. we, we go and we like just to mess around and we don't look at the at the titles <laughs> and not explanations yeah, of, the, of yeah. the artworks and we like just to, to let ourselves go and talk about what, what we've been watching and that's... Does that then fuel your creativity when it comes to writing songs? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's funny because we, we found that no sense to some pieces of art <laughs> but other times it's really inspiring we found we've been finding in uh, well we have we are very lucky we we, we have many visits to cities with great contemporary arts museums so so we have the luck to to visit some of them and yeah with we, we wrote an article for a book about this, about oh, a, a little ritual yeah, yeah, yeah. visiting contemporary arts museums, and it's kind of funny. When you're out on tour, do you ever remember a moment where you just were in the middle of, of you know, 20 dates or what have you, and you just said, I've had enough, I can't do this anymore, or do you still have the energy uh, for it? Not really, not yeah. really. Uh, at least about the the performances, the, sh the, the right. shows. I, I, I never thought, okay, I have enough of, of this, if we talk about gigs. I do sometimes feel that I have enough about travels, sure. not sleeping, and, and so on. But about playing, I've never get tired of that. Do you have any favorite uh, 
venues or places you've performed that that stand out as, as especially memorable? Well, the, there are some of them. Uh, for example, there's a, a theater in Mexico City. Mm. It's called Metropolitan Theater. It's a really, really a, a special place. We've, we've been playing two times there. Um, it's a, a magical place. It used to be a, an old cinema, and it's really a, a fantastic place to make a show. I love those venues that have previously existed in yeah. some other form, like yeah. if it was a church or if it was yeah. a, a theater. It yeah. just, they carry so much magic in their history. We, we were in, in South by Southwest Festival in Austin. Yeah. We went to, uh, oh, what's his name? Ah, I forgot right now. Uh, Micah Pihinson uh, concert in one church, and it was also amazing. Yeah. Those, those things that been, as you said, another thing, they have like a spirit and energy that remains there, that, that mixes us with the, with the music and performance that is great, yeah. So we were talking a bit uh, before coming on, on to the podcast about you have an upcoming American leg of your tour. Yeah. Uh, how excited are you? Are you ready to, to get out there? Very excited. Yeah. For us, going to America to, to make a tour is like, um, like something you always dream of. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's going to be very tough. Because yeah. we have 10 cities in 14 days, something like that. That's coast a lot. to coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston, New York, Washington. It's a big country, Chicago, too. Chicago, Toronto. Uh, Almost uh, it all memorized. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And we end up in, in Los Angeles. But, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's like a dream come true. You are with the people you like most to play with, and that happen to be your friends. That's a great and, feeling, I'm sure. And you are on the road, which is something. I mean, it's typical and romantic, but we do like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's we are in in that way we are so romantic. So 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 we we, we really enjoy being on the road. So it's gonna be a, a great great trip. Do you have a favorite song to perform? Oh, that's a very difficult question. Mm, I have many of them, but one of that it's always like a mental trip is one we we play. It's called Los Días Raros. It's a very long song, yeah. very very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not very suitable for festivals, but we are going to play it tonight. Oh, so. I'm so excited! That makes <laughs> so me so happy. It's like almost seven minutes yeah, of, no, of I, song. It's, it's sad, it's very quiet, very quiet, I, very quiet. My favorite song here, so I'm very and, excited to hear that. Okay, that's yeah. great. Thank you very much. So that's one of the songs that I always get tingles in my body when, <laughs> when, when I play. Are there any songs that the fans love that you're you're tired of or any songs that they don't get but you're like, I need to play this? Uh, well, there are some songs that the, that the fans do like and we are a, a bit tired, but not so much. Um, in fact, in a couple of weeks we're doing like a special show here in Spain in Benicassim Festival and we're like remembering the old songs the, the, oh, the ones from yeah. our first record in the Arnold Mundo uh, and we're playing some of the songs that we had a bit tired of them <laughs> and uh, but not so tired as not to play them yeah. forever yeah, yeah, no? yeah. so we're playing them and, and I like that did you have to learn the songs again, or did you just no, already they, they, you remember they it all? They came naturally, as if as if ever were there, as if, as if the horns, the songs lived in your fingers. <laughs> you start to play, and they go. Like, I remember best these songs that the ones that I wrote yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I amazing. That I, I think that I'm getting old. Oh no. <laughs> When did you get here? Did you just drop in? Uh, we got here at probably 10 or 11 this morning, ah, I would think. I beat I was, you by an hour and a did half. Did you beat me by yeah. an hour? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah we, I think, 
I mean, truthfully, I don't know the exact answer because I was still asleep. <laughs> so. All right, so were you coming in from another festival? Were you... We had a day off yesterday. So nice. we, we played uh, the day prior, we played in Milan. So we played a, a club show in Italy, and then we drove. We had a day off to travel, and then we stayed like three or four hours away in Zaragoza at a hospi- hosp- uh, hotel. Is what it's called, not a hospital. <laughs> we did not stay at a hospital last night, thankfully. That would be an. We had no. Story, we had no I'm reason sure. to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we. I think we left at probably seven this morning, but a few of us stayed up a bit too late chatting on a terrace last night because if there's a terrace, you, you should have to, stay up late. Especially if you're in Europe. Chat, exactly. I mean, yeah. exactly. What do you usually do on a day off when you're on a long tour? Um. T- typically, they're pretty low-key for us um this tour has been a bit of a stressful one as far as travel goes just Mm -hmm. because we've covered a lot of ground when you do europe in the summer and you have a limited amount of time to do it you try to have to like hit all the the festivals right because it's festival season (laughs) so uh that puts a bit of stress because we only had really three weeks and change to be over here because of other obligations yeah so so a lot of our days off this time around were mostly spent in the bus it always or at truck stops. Me when you've got like two festivals a country away mm-hmm. and the lineup is like 80 percent the same so you right. know a lot of those people are just packing up all together oh, yeah. in the night and moving right yeah how, it's crazy. does that build any camaraderie do you see people at multiple festivals and you're like oh hey how's uh, it going i mean occasionally you get to chatting and catering uh, but i think most people keep to themselves by and large unless you know people mm-hmm. so a lot of times we'll see quite a few friends from back home a yeah. lot of american bands come over in the summer for the festivals so um if if it goes yeah if if we're lucky we get to play a few festivals in a row with some people that we know from touring in the states so one of the questions we always make sure to ask on the show is just what was the first concert you ever saw because we were fascinated by sure. what excites people what brings them into live music i'm seeing you're wearing a pig destroyer t-shirt so i'm hoping that's maybe somewhere it's in that not vein. my first show yeah <laughs> uh it's hard to think i mean i went i think i went to i mean i think my first uh exposure to live music was probably when I was very young going to like weird county fairs in in Michigan it feels like a very midwestern thing (laughs) Um, but the shows that I really remember from the time that I fell in love with music when I fell in love with punk and hardcore and alternative music specifically uh we're mostly local shows in our hometown. There were a few different small venues, little arts cooperatives and coffee shops that were right on the same stretch of road in Grand Rapids where we're from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember going to see a lot of a lot of bands from the area play shows for $5 with my friends. That's what we did. We'd get dropped off downtown and go to the record store and go to the coffee shop and then go see whoever was playing down the street. Were there any good... I, I, I love all of the local venue and local band names because there are some of the most ridiculous things that you know won't hit the road and test well, you know? Like, there's a Chicago venue called Club Rectum. Like, you just, you can't... Who made that up? I didn't, somebody did. Somebody thought, somebody was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Uh, I don't remember any really funny venue names. They're all pretty straightforward. There's a venue that was pretty 
important for the city of Grand Rapids for a while called Skeletones. Um, just, I guess, kind of a silly name. It it's sounds like a rockabilly yeah. band or like a <laughs> or like a ska band, maybe. I guess that it would be Skeletones. Anyway, maybe like a Danzig rockabilly fusion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> definitely. So uh, there are a lot of. I don't know. It was like that era. I was in high school, so it would have been like the mid. 2000s early to mid 2000s so there are definitely a lot of bands there's a band called two stars burning sun which at the time was a totally normal band name and now yeah. you think about it and you're like oh that's so of an era they were sick uh so there's a lot of that i remember seeing a band called uh in the absence or the absence of a silver lining or something so there's like definitely run-on sentence band names galore <laughs> at that period of time yeah just that image is poetry yeah and yeah. I, I i should also say that i thought it was a good idea to name our band uh in a language i don't speak so <laughs> everyone is guilty of maybe hastily deciding what they should call their band <laughs> i mean if you're going to at least then you don't people i'm sure a lot of midwesterners as a midwesterner myself were mm-hmm. just like Oh, classy, cool. Yeah. Like it's, it's something I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like n- not even second guessing the meaning. Sure. But once you then hit, you know, countries where that might be the first once, language, yeah. does that then suddenly become the only question? I think that get? was the most self conscious moment. It was <laughs> so we would have played in Quebec before we came to Europe and played in France, but being in front of an audience of. Uh, native francophones and having to say our band name in a horrendously <laughs> nasally midwestern accent and just like I feel like we immediately just owned up to it like yeah we're a band with no french speakers with a french band name so you're all gonna laugh at me when I say our band is called Law Dispute and you're gonna be like <laughs> but you know whatever it's too late to change it now yeah certainly <laughs> The, the dispute just doesn't yeah, have the yeah, same ring to exactly, it. Exactly, no. <laughs> so what... I also love how punk and hardcore and, and all that kind of world really thrives because of live music. Mm. It's it's rare that you hear somebody who's like, I just sit in my house all day and yeah. listen to punk records. Right. I'd never go see it live. So what was the feeling when you first saw that? Was it just like immediately I need to do this or was it just wow what was the what was the experience? oh yeah no I definitely think uh it didn't take long for me to set my heart on being a part of it in whatever capacity I could which was difficult considering I simultaneously I had the passion but lacked the discipline to learn how to play an <laughs> instrument so uh, I had to get lucky and find the right group of people but yeah I think that it really is uh, I don't know like it's integral to the whole endeavor to have the I mean it's one thing to connect to a record by yourself emotionally or intellectually at sure, home yeah. especially at that age but then to be in the company of others who feel the same connection where they might otherwise not feel one I think is really profound and I think that still resonates with me at 30 almost 32 years old having done this for since I was in high school that's one thing that I always go back to and just being able to still go to shows and feel an emotional connection yeah. Yeah. and still play shows and yeah, especially witness as that someone that plays as many as you do to have like, that reaction still have yeah it's very something. it's very yeah. transactional I think uh, and it's really extraordinary I think to be in an environment where you can be a part of facilitating that um, 
and then you, f you feed off it from other people. It's a real back and forth, I think. Anyway, it's cool. It seems that there's always lots of really uh, hardcore, for lack of a better word, fans also of bands that are in that scene where you see them a hundred times yeah. and you really become passionate about it. How has that been for you on the other side of it now? I'm sure you had that sort of feeling when you were a fa just a pure fan and going to see the same band 18 times. Like, how has that been knowing that there are people that follow you that way? It's crazy, honestly. I mean, the thing I always go back to is or the band for me when I was like 13, 14 and heard Hot Water Music for the first time. Yeah. That was like a real epiphany for me. Um, so, you know, like to the point where I can still look back at that time in my life and feel as though Hot Water uh, was sort of the catalyst in altering my life in a way, you yeah, know? So, absolutely. Uh, to, go, to, to go from feeling such a deep connection to another artist and following them throughout the course of my life and to then play shows and see the same faces and crowds and get shown tattoos of our flower logo and, and yeah. hear people's stories, the things that people feel comfortable talking to me about because something in what we do musically and lyrically resonates in their own life is really fucking wild and incredibly humbling and, and very encouraging i guess to know that you can be a part of that and yeah it's pretty wild it's something that i'll never get used to beyond humbling does it ever feel sort of like draining like is it is it a lot to handle when somebody comes yeah. and tells you that really intense story about how you change their their world i think on occasion and it might have i think bothered me more not bothered me but been yeah, harder for me don't want yeah, to say no, that. no no, no like it doesn't matter i love it me, i would yeah. I, I that's one of the coolest things for me about being in this band is that people feel comfortable talking to me about those things people can share their stories or will write us letters or or make art or you know whatever else that they feel comfortable uh sharing those things with us is really remarkable um but i think when i was a bit younger it was maybe harder to compartmentalize and to yeah. separate those things and there were there were days and nights where it weighed pretty heavily on us and on all of us um being privy to those to those stories and confessionals in a way i don't know um but i do think i think you you learn you get older and you learn how to store different things in different places and you also learn how to really uh it gets easier to shoulder that burden when you can feel the significance of the position you're in i guess like uh it feels important to hear those stories because people feel compelled to tell them are there bands that still get that reaction out of you even today just anybody you've seen recently where you've just you know felt that kick in yeah uh i mean i still feel it about hot water music we <laughs> toured with hot water music twice and, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. they're friends but it's still that's still a connection i feel that's amazing um we just this at this this tour we were on tour with two bands uh from over here a band called petra girls who are from Lithuania and Austria and the UK mm -hmm. and then a band called Milk Teeth and uh, both of those bands really put themselves out there for people and they yeah. really put an emphasis on uh, activism and on creating a culture of inclusivity and letting people know they belong and I think that's a watching them every night now so many years from having started doing this uh, was really it was really inspiring to see how far out on the line they put themselves for Definitely. other people. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, even watching those bands reminds you why you do it or you did it in the first place, and it's a yeah pushes you further down the line, I guess. Yeah. Do you have a uh, like bucket list performance you'd want to see? Yeah. I so my f- I've still not seen my all time favorite recording artist. Uh, I've never seen PJ Harvey. Oh, amazing! Yeah. So every time that she has toured in the states in the last however many years, I have had some outstanding obligation sure. or yeah. was on tour. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's like the big one for me. Uh, everyone else, I finally saw Nick Cave. Nice. I finally saw Pig Destroyer. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was the same deal. Because they don't tour terribly often. Right. And they're one of my all-time favorite heavy bands. Um, and I finally saw them like a month ago. And it was everything that I hoped it would be. <laughs> I love hearing that. Dude, it was so it's good. It's so disappointing so good. when you build up a band right? and, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that was them live. Yeah. As, as opposed to meeting those expectations. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like it's really easy to phone it in. And picture those dudes have been making music for twice as long as i have um and they they seemed like they were playing their first show they were so yeah. enthusiastic and and it was so tight live it was awesome i mean you'd guess that from any one song of theirs just picking out a track yeah. for a record and being like yeah these guys aren't gonna half-ass them. no definitely not i don't think you can half-ass <laughs> those songs <She's> like, <laughs> This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you all Consequence Podcast Network.